Hi, my name is Christine Dean, Senior Director at SMI, and we are pleased that you joined us for our Conversations with podcast. In this podcast, Jim Francis, Chief Supply Chain Officer from Mayo Clinic, talks with Margaret Donnell, Senior Vice President, Enterprise Sales at McKesson. Jim and Margaret talk about the sales force of the future, non-acute care settings, sustainability, innovation, and more. Let's listen now to Jim and Margaret. Margaret, thanks so much for being here. I want to welcome you to SMI's Conversations with Podcast. As a Senior Vice President at McKesson, I know our membership will be eager to learn more about your background and hear your thoughts on the future of healthcare. Our time is limited, so let's get started. Can you begin by telling us a little bit about your background and why you got into healthcare? Happy to. Um, first, I should say thank you. Uh, Jim and SMI for spending some time with me. Uh, I, I feel quite honored. Um, my backgrounds may be a little bit different than some of the, the other folks that you might have interviewed. Um, I built my career for about the first 20 years in financial services, working in a variety of functional areas, um, and always found that my most fulfilling roles and, and those that I did the best in were ones that focused heavily on working backward from the customer. Um, during the pandemic, life changed. Uh, a lot for me as, as for many other people I know. Um, I began to contemplate with what was next for my career. Um, and about the same time, my mom was diagnosed for a second time with breast cancer. Um, given all that was going on in the world and, and lockdowns and whatnot, she moved in with me and I began to go to all of her doctor's appointments with her, the ones that they would let me in. Um, and uh, I remember vividly, we left an appointment with her oncologist and I turned to my mom and I said, your, your doctor is quite literally changing and saving your life. Um, I know I'm not a doctor, but if there's any way I can ever put myself to use in the healthcare industry, I'd want to play a role. And I continued to have conversations, you know, outside of that conversation with potential employers and, and talked to folks in a range of industries. But I kind of knew from that moment forward that my heart was in healthcare and that was what was next for me. So I consider it a very fortunate chain of events. It was actually a former colleague of mine who introduced me to the team at McKesson. Um, and that's where I am today, obviously, uh, overseeing sales and distribution uh, of what we really consider life-saving supplies into health systems, into oncology practices, actually including the exact oncology practice that my mom still goes to. Um, and you know, going back to the very first thing I said, that working backward from the customer and really from the the end patient are a part of my everyday and my team's everyday. And I think it, it's what energizes us to do our jobs every day. On a personal note, since, you know, I, I do always share this part of my story, I like to add that my mom is cancer-free and her, her personal outcome was wonderful and she received excellent care, uh, thanks to so many in the, in the healthcare industry. Um, but I'm also kind of always reminded when I tell the story that isn't true of every patient uh, who faces a diagnosis like cancer. And um, it's really incumbent upon all of us as you know, pieces of this really important industry to focus on getting to a world where outcomes are better for everyone. Yeah, that's fantastic and absolutely great news, Margaret. Um, as you mentioned, healthcare has been through its share of challenges lately and continues to face a fair amount of headwinds. Has there been one particular leadership strategy that you've deployed that has worked well to manage your teams during these challenging times? It's a really great question. Um, 
And honestly, this may sound simple, but for me, it comes down to communication and to building relationships. And I really, you know, I know that those words are often kind of classified as soft things, but they really aren't. Where there's communication and trust, we're more effective, we're more efficient, we drive better outcomes. Where they're not there, outcomes can really be impeded. Um, and in a world that has gone so heavily virtual in the last few years in an environment that is always changing, um, I think that these become even more important. And like, there's one thing that is constant and that is change. And, and I think if anything has taught us that, it's been the last few years. So my focus is really on building practices that aim to build communication and build relationships both within our team and, and with customers and partners outside. Um, I do things like reflecting regularly on my calendar to ensure that I'm allocating the right personal bandwidth to not just the priorities of our team, which are important, but also to the right people and the right conversations. Um, I gather my leaders and teams regularly in a variety of ways. Sometimes that's an all-in virtual meeting. Sometimes it's just a team-wide email. Sometimes, but rarely, it's all together in person. Um, and that kind of mix of engagements is really where I aspire to build communication. Um, it sounds kind of odd to say it, but I aspire on over-communicating, uh, especially when it comes to setting strategic direction for a team. I once had a very wise manager who was driving a big, significant strategy change for our whole company. And you know, she traveled around the, the company, you know, both virtually and live, um, and communicated her message. And I heard her communicate, communicate, and communicate the same message in so many settings. I once asked her if she ever grew tired of it uh, or if she thought she was overdoing it. And her simple reply was, I guarantee you there's someone out there that's hearing it for the first time. Um, and I think about that often when, it, you know, I think, am I over communicating? Uh, and I guess the, the point at which I'll stop maybe is when people start to complain, but, but I haven't hit that point yet. Uh, so I think, you know, it is something that is really, really, really important at all times, especially in a virtual setting. Um, but it also requires us to come together when we can. And that might be at that really important moment where you're going to visit a customer or might be that really important moment where you're setting your full strategy for the year. Um, but when we do have those times together, we really try to maximize them. You mentioned the change that the industry has gone through and continues to do so. Um, how is that shaping, with you being responsible for enterprise sale, how is that shaping your sales force of the future and how is McKesson kind of preparing for that? Yeah, I love this question um, because it kind of takes me back to my roots. And to me, when we think about the sales force of the future, that question is entirely dictated by working backward from the customer and the patient of the future. Uh, so if I think about what the customer of the future is going to need for us, says McKesson, they're going to need to be enabled and have uh, by technology and have all sorts of access to data. I suspect they're going to be much, much busier over time and tasked with solving even more needs than ever before. So I believe our goal as the, you know, the, the partner and the sales team working with them uh, and the sales force of the future is to take all those great things about our existing sales force and add to that increased access to personalized data and useful insights options for immediate self-service where customers want it and need it, but not where they don't, and making sure that we really retain that personal overall relationship and high-touch service in the moments that matter that, candidly, I think we are known for. Um, we have one of the largest sales forces in the industry today, and that sales force 
uh, has great industry and overall healthcare knowledge and, and specialties that range in a variety of settings and allowing that sales team the ability to do what it's always done best. And that is to educate, to be the source of truth and the trusted partner, but to bring in all of that other goodness of technology and data uh, is exactly where we want to continue to focus. You know, uh, more and more patient care is moving outside of the acute care setting and McKesson Corporation's been a leader in addressing needs of the continuum of care. What can you uh, advise supply chain leaders need to do to prepare for this general more care at home in other non-acute care settings? My, um, my mantra here is really test and learn. And this is something that I carry with me from my time in another industry. It's something that I think will serve supply chain leaders here in this context well. And it's something I've seen McKesson also do exceptionally well. As markets evolve, as customers evolve, um, you know, we really must test and learn our way into the future. And that doesn't mean you know blindly testing, but rather study industry trends really carefully, put hypothesis-driven testing into market, find real results as a result of that testing, and ultimately help you iterate your way towards building out the future. So for supply chain leaders, I think this means stepping back and at the analyzing, understanding, what our customers have and need as they evolve to patients in the non-acute home settings. Um, and if by definition that means you're serving fundamentally different customers, you may well be. And so you need to solve for those customers and their needs. Uh, then you test, you learn, and you iterate your way and you pave that path together as you know, kind of customer and uh, partner. Um, here at McKesson Men's Surge, we're laser focused on the non-acute space already. I think you mentioned that. So we've we've had the opportunity of a few years behind us to really test and learn and build our way to what we believe is a leading strategy there. I think healthcare at home is a rapidly evolving space and and still new to many of us. I don't think as an industry we've settled into a future state there. All the more reason that all of the players in this ecosystem are going through fundamental change and it makes it especially right to test and learn. Um, an experiment. And I think it opens the doors to collaboration that will ultimately serve patients, which we kind of talked about at the top of the conversation. Um, I think we all need to lean into that change. And like I said, build out those hypotheses, build out new products and models of ways of working, and ultimately be a part of testing and learning and building that future together. Thank you. Well, SMI has an advancing women leader program where emerging leaders are partnered with a mentor and a sponsor, all of which are executive leaders within SMI member organizations. I know that uh, women in leadership positions and diversity are something that you're personally passionate about. Can you talk about why this needs to be a focus in healthcare and maybe provide a short story of how mentorship helped you in your career? Yeah, I. Um, my first reaction is is that it's almost hard for me to identify an important point in my career where mentorship or sponsorship, importantly, didn't play a role. Um, I tend to use the word advocacy also when I talk about mentorship and sponsorship. I think they all kind of go hand in hand. And I would say that you know, all three of those things together are you know, really the single biggest drivers of my development and my success. Um, it's, the, it's the place I have grown the most and I credit much of my success to. And for that reason, um, you know, I try to invest my time similarly in serving as a mentor and an advocate and a sponsor for others, um, because I think it just, it really changes 
people and the course they're on individually and, and the impact they can have in the world. Um, you know, you asked about healthcare. Healthcare as an industry, like where I came from, is still male-dominated in many primary functions like sales. And that makes it so much more important for women or really any other minority group to have strong mentorship, strong advocacy, strong sponsorship. Um, one short personal story since you asked, um, and it's also one about mentorship and sponsorship, is, is about a former manager of mine. Um, she was a very, very tough manager, but kind of tough in a good way. She, you know, one of the first things that she told me when we started working together was that she would challenge me. She would be tough on me one-on-one -on -one to, you know, make me stronger, likely to the point of discomfort, but she would always stand behind me and advocate for me in bigger settings, in, you know, the important performance management conversations that were happening, all of the like. And she held true to her word. I became more confident working for her, yes, but I also became much more confident in myself. And I knew that any time we entered a, you know, a group setting, she kind of always had my back, if you will. Um, and the principles that she laid out there when we started working together, I try and carry forward with me as I work with my direct reports and with all of my mentees. Um, you know, it turns out that same mentor has offered me not one but two roles following our time working together. And she's counseled me in every other step along the way, even when it led me away from taking a role with her. Um, she's my number one mentor, my number one cheerleader, and now also a close friend. And, and I aspire to, uh, to having those same relationships with many other people. I, I believe mentoring and sponsoring is not one-to-one. -one, so you can have many of those relationships in your life. And, uh, and I think they're, they're very worthwhile. Very good. SMI members are going to be talking about sustainability at our upcoming forum. Can you talk a little bit about McKesson's focus in this area and what you have in terms of community programs? Absolutely. Um, where we talk most about sustainability is in our operations. As a company, um, I'm really proud to, to know and to be a part of the fact that we've put a stake in the ground that our goal is to reduce total vehicle emissions by 6.6% by April of 2032. Um, to do that, we're using new software to optimize our routing, to improve our loading rates, and to reduce what we consider empty miles wherever possible. And we're also investing in more efficient and alternative fuel vehicles, uh, more efficient and alternative to fuel vehicles, including electric vehicles. In McKesson Medical Surgical, uh, kind of along the theme of testing and learning, we've been piloting electric vehicles in our Houston and Seattle markets. They run for about 100 miles per charge. And they've just gotten absolute rave reviews from some of our delivery professionals who, you know, now really much prefer them to, to driving the traditional uh, gas-powered cars uh, or vehicles. In addition to vehicle emissions, we focus also on reducing our carbon footprint in other ways. Uh, so we've specifically invested in an IPAC infrastructure in our warehouses, which reduces excess packaging, um, also another important place for us. We have pretty robust recycling processes within our distribution center network, um, and we're always looking for more ways to become energy efficient. Our corporate team actually just released our newest corporate impact report that goes into all of the ways that we're looking to make an impact on people, on the community, and on the planet. Um, and anyone interested could find that report on McKesson.com uh, and read more about what we're doing, sustainability and otherwise. You know, Margaret, everybody's talking about data and analytics and the importance of it uh, in decision-making nowadays in healthcare. I'd kind of like to get your perspective on how providers and industry partners can work together on sharing useful 
and meaningful data, and then utilizing that data to provide better patient care. This is a really interesting evolution, I think. Um, so many of us now are thinking about data and analytics, uh, not just the teams that were labeled data and analytics in the past. Um, everyone is thinking about what is the product of the future and how do we use data and analytics to support it. We've even talked about it a couple of times in this in this conversation already. Um, I think there are, are a great number of places where we can work with providers and other industry players to yield better patient outcomes. Um, some of those that are near and dear to the hearts and minds at, at folks at McKesson um, that come to mind for me revolve around supply chain. So as distributors, we can work with manufacturers and with providers to increase our efficiency and our effectiveness in delivering those life-saving supplies that ultimately yield that care. Um, of course, that same analytics can enable supply chain transparency. Um, and something I get jazzed about is the power of potentially predictive analytics in the space that can help with better demand forecasting. Um, all of these things kind of are working in favor of, of getting all of the right supplies to all of the right customers so that they can serve their patients most effectively. Uh, but I don't think that we're just, we're limited to the supply chain space. I think we can think broader than that. Um, for example, we have equipment that we supply and, and we can optimize our devices. We can capture data from those devices that help us ensure them always running optimally. Um, we can also use that, that data in aggregate um, to potentially drive better treatments. Um, of course, that requires partnerships that, that you mentioned earlier. Um, and would have to be done all the right ways, but it, it opens up a pretty exciting future, I think. So for us, really, the, uh, the work ahead is to figure out how to best leverage our internal data, collaborate externally, um, but, you know, always operating, of course, with, within the laws and regulations that, that govern all of our system. Okay. Well, for this last question, Margaret, I'm going to ask you to gaze into your crystal ball and, and share with us what you think the next big innovation in healthcare is going to be. I appreciate that question. I think uh, I think there's already a big shift in care that started to happen, and that's an evolution to preventative care. So to me, that means the next big innovation lies with the technologies that support preventative care. I think that's in the space of diagnostics, of wearables, and of predictive, predictive analytics, and and frankly, anything in between that supports that preventative care. Um, you know, we started this conversation talking about cancer. Uh, cancer is a disease that I've seen wreak havoc firsthand. I think, sadly, many of us have at this point. Um, and it's a great example of where preventative healthcare could take us. Think of a world where we can better predict cancer or identify cancer markers in patients. I think that the future of healthcare is headed there and all of the, the innovations that will enable it. So while we aren't there yet fully as an industry, I think there's a lot more work underway to develop diagnostic testing for cancer and then make it accurate and, and more accessible to everyone. Um, I use cancer as an example, obviously, but, but this could apply to you know, many other uh, terrible disease states that we, we want to prevent. Um, and, and I think that's where really the next big innovations lie, where I'm eager to help find ways for McKesson to partake um, and the industry to move forward as a whole. Okay. Well, Margaret, I want to thank you very much for participating in the podcast on behalf of SMI. It was a pleasure speaking with you today, and I hope that uh, our paths cross again in the near future. Best of luck to you and the McKesson team, and uh, thank you again for participating in the podcast. Thank you, Jim and SMI, for having me. 
Thank you for tuning in to another edition of our Conversations with podcast. And a special thank you to both Margaret Donnell from McKesson and Jim Francis from Mayo Clinic. Please join us again soon for our next Conversations with podcast.